Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Your host, Jeff Lerner, with you today. Excited, uh, as always, to be bringing you the Millionaire Secrets, the secrets from the super successful people in this world who do all the things that most of us sit and ooh and ah and go, I wonder how they did that. And then Jeff gets them on the show and gets to ask them. So in that spirit, I have with us today, Mr. Ron Douglas, whose email address is actually, I won't give the whole thing, but it includes Mr. Ron Douglas. So when I say Mr. Ron Douglas, we're talking Mr. Ron Douglas. Um, he's a digital marketing expert. He's the president of Ron Douglas Publishing. You can learn about him at rondouglas.com. And I will tell you that I met Ron Douglas at an event earlier this year that was pretty much the last thing I remember before the whole world shut down because of COVID. Um, and it was called WebinarCon. And he was a presenter and he was a, a, actually a, a partner and an organizer in that event. And it was a beautifully executed event with about a hundred of the smartest marketers in the world. And I learned so much, including from his amazing presentation. He's a best-selling author. I can't wait to ask him all these questions about how to sell millions of books and uh, do all these amazing things that he's done. But he's just a, a, a brilliant guy and an awesome human, and I'm glad that he's here. Ron, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. Thanks, Jeff. Man, amazing introduction. I am honored to be on your show. Appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I, I think I mentioned to you before we hit record that yesterday I was on another person's show and that they had so much energy and they brought so much heat, especially to the intro. I, I was like, hey, you know what? I can do better. So this is my first opportunity to, to come in a little extra. And I appreciate you, uh, you acknowledging that at least it didn't fall totally flat on its face. Um, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Any more <laughs> energy, I might be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, good, good, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go to 11. You want to know when to stop. Right. Uh, but anyway, no, in, in all seriousness, man, I'm really glad you're here. I, uh, I was taken with your, your presentation at WebinarCon. I was like, you know, that's a guy that I need to follow up with. Uh, really, really great story. I love stories like yours that, that don't sort of, that, that don't start with the nerdy stuff. They don't start with like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, digital funnel expert and I'm, I specialize in list optimization and split testing and, you know, e increasing email open rates and all the stuff that people are like, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah, sure. I'd love to make money online, but uh, that's not me. Your story is more just like, look, I had an idea and I did a thing and, and it worked. And, and I mean, I worked, therefore it worked. And uh, it's really cool. And in fact, you might've seen it on TV. And obviously, I'm talking about uh, starting with your cookbook. You've done, obviously, a lot since. But do you mind? I want to back up to that real quick just so you can kind of set the stage for what your breakthrough was. And then I, I'm going to back up even before that. And I want to know, like, what made Ron Douglas Ron Douglas. But real quick, tell us about the book thing. Like, remind me how that evolved and kind of where you took it. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much, I, was, I started out my career in 2001, and I was an affiliate promoting stuff on ClickBank. Basically, okay. and building email lists and running little ads, and usually email ads like Ezine ads and yeah. promoting products on ClickBank. And I was like, it'd be pretty cool instead of me promoting these products one at a time. If I had a product and I had a bunch of people like me promoting my product, yeah, like what can I create? So, cooking was a hobby of mine, 
And I started doing a little research and I kind of stumbled upon the idea of secret restaurant recipes. So I, I was studying um, Corey Rudel at the time, back in the days, and he had this thing, I think it was Car Secrets. And I was like, what can I do? Cooking secrets, recipe secrets, <laughs> secret recipes. Uh, I stumbled upon that idea and I found that there's, there was a huge rabbit audience that was interested in it. And it kind of piggybacked off of the larger cooking and recipe market. And there was nothing on ClickBank at the time like that. So I was like, let me just throw something up, see if it works. You know, I came up with 20 recipes. I did pretty much research them, uh, tested out a bunch of them, rewrote them all, put them in a little ebook, threw them out on ClickBank, put a little sales page up. It was terrible, but I was just testing. I was just, it, it, re it really was like Microsoft clip art. <laughs> it was yeah. built on front page. It was awful. Threw it out there. And within three days, I got my first sale. Then another sale, then another sale. And affiliates were promoting this thing off of ClickBank and it started rising in the ClickBank marketplace. And I was like, well, I'm onto something here. So I um, started devoting pretty much, all, I was doing this part-time as I was working for JP Morgan Chase back in the days. And I started focusing on it. The more money it made, the more focus I put on it. And then I also had a big breakthrough back then because we were right at the start of uh, Google AdWords. And Google AdWords back then, you can get traffic, especially for like cooking and recipes, like five cents a click, 10 cents a click. So I started really getting into that and I had a lot of affiliates that were sending traffic from that. And I started building up a huge email list. And eventually people demanded like, hey, you know, I want more than an ebook. Do you have a physical cookbook? So I created a physical cookbook just because my customers asked for it, put it out there on Amazon. I started, um, selling it like if people buy the ebook i'd say hey you want to buy the physical book just pay an additional amount i didn't even know what upsells were back then but that's what i did and um, then later on i mean i had sold sixty thousand copies of that, that book self-published and built up a nice audience over one hundred fifty thousand subscribers and um, i was following mike phil same back then he was yeah. one of my kind of like mentors he lived about 35 minutes from me out on long island at the time and Tom Bill worked closely with Mike and I started talking to Tom Bill and he said, you know, your idea, you can get some publicity for that. Like the media would love that idea. You know, it's more than just online marketing. Yeah. So um, I got introduced to a publicist and he got me on television with a self-published cookbook on, I was on Fox business and they loved the story of, um, and at this time I had just left my, my corporate job. This was 2007 at this time. And they love the story of a former Wall Street guy leaves his job on Wall Street to pursue his passion of cooking. Yeah. Really, I got laid off, but they liked that story better. <laughs> yeah. right? So I got on TV and then we took that media clip and took, you know, put together a book proposal and, and pitched it to a bunch of publishers and ended up getting a, two, book, two offers. And one was with uh, Simon & Schuster to do two books with a $100,000 advance to do my first two books with them. And since I've done uh, six books with Simon and Schuster, uh, ended up getting on a lot of other television shows, Good Morning America, Home Shopping Network, Fox and Friends, uh, ABC News Now, all these different shows. And then, you know, the first book was a huge hit and sold over, uh, well, collectively I sold over 1.5 million copies of that series. First book alone did about 800,000 copies and uh, was a New York Times bestseller, six time New York Times bestseller, six wow. weeks in a row. So that kind of led me into other stuff that I do today. So that's the uh, short version. I don't want to take up too much time on it. 
Well, yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad because again, like I said, it's, it's a story that, you know, I think as, as internet marketers, and I know you've, you've done a lot of promotions, like you mentioned originally on ClickBank, but even still um, in the things you're involved in, like myself, where we're trying to show the world that internet marketing is like this legitimate, mainstream, reasonable, non-scammy thing that's very accessible and, and, and uh, that's, it's an opportunity for, for virtually anyone to, to tra transform their quality of life. And, and I, I actually, you can see my shirt, successfully unemployed is what it says. I actually had a girl at Starbucks this morning. She goes, how do I become successfully unemployed? And it's like, <laughs> it just reminded me, like people are looking for this, you know? And I love your story because it ties it to something that is so, nor it's so normal, for lack of a better way to say it, a cookbook. It's like so normal. It just shows that like these skills that we talk about, I talk, talk to people all the time. I'm like direct response marketing, copywriting, the little basic bit of technical understanding, you know, developing a list, nurturing a list. These are skills. They're not hacks. They're not gimmicks. They're not shortcuts. They're legitimate skills that allow you to put an engine on any idea. And if it's a bad idea, then it'll be an engine on a, on a bad car and it won't drive. But if it's a good idea, it'll be an engine on a Bugatti and you, you'll, you'll outrun your peers. You know, you'll, you'll change your life. And so a cookbook's a great example, right? Where you had a cookbook idea, but how many people out there are like, you know, you don't start with pitching Simon & Schuster with your book idea. I mean, they, a few people do, right? They, they go to a hundred publishers and they get rejected. And then one person, you know, there's always these, these Hail Mary miracle stories. But the reality for you is you were able to walk in and go, look, I already sold tens of thousands of copies. I've already proven the offer works. I've already been on TV. And like, it's a whole lot easier when you have some marketing uh, results to, to float any idea out there. So you know, again, I'm always looking for ways that we can kind of tie these skills to things that people already understand. So that's why I wanted you to start by telling your story. Uh, now, you mentioned one and a half million copies. It, it, will I be too forward if I ask you what's the price of one of these cookbooks? Between 15 and $16. So the book is called uh, America's Most Wanted Recipes. Okay, so, it's, so we're talking over $20 million worth of book sales. And I, I, I won't ask how much of that you got. But my point, I want people to get like, we're talking real stuff here. Like this, this is life-changing stuff with a little cookbook that frankly, it's not like, it's not like you wrote Harry Potter, you know? I mean, you go up to a hundred people on the street and go, Hey, you know, have you got America's most wanted cookbook at home? Not the majority of them are going to say, no, they've never heard of it. And yet still it's life-changing money. Right. It, it is my point. I'm not, I mean, that's a lot of books. I'm not trying to take away from it, but you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be, that we always hear about the one person like J.K. Rowling or, and Stephen King and James Patterson. They're the world's richest authors because they, they're all billionaires or whatever. Yeah, but there's thousands and thousands of authors that sell 100,000 books, 800,000 books, 1.5 million books, two and a half million books. And maybe you've never even heard of them, but they're all pretty set for life too. And it's a whole lot easier to be one of them if you got marketing skills like Ron did before he wrote his book. So anyway, uh, I think I made my point. It's America's Most Wanted Cookbook. America's can, Most can Wanted people, Recipes. A recipe, sorry. Can people still buy it? Like, 
Can you go? Yeah, on it's still out there. It's on Amazon. It's still in bookstores. It's on. Uh, if you Google my name, Simon and Schuster will, will come okay. up. It's on Simon and Schuster's site. Cool, cool. And so, uh, and just so I'm clear, really, because I'm curious. Um, but you, so you found you you talk about secret recipes. You're talking like when you go to, you know, I don't know what's well, a restaurant. When you go to Olive Garden and they got this the breadsticks and the Alfredo sauce and the salad, and everybody's like, I love that, but like nobody technically really knows what's in it. You're saying you went and figured out what was in it and then published it. Yeah, well, you know, it's copycat. They're all copycat recipes, so you just got to be close. You don't have to know right, the right. exact recipe, just close enough for someone to have fun making it at home and say, hey, this, you know, this is my version of Olive Garden. Yeah, it's like I we did it. it. At my house, we looked up um, at Red Robin. The kids love the, one of the dipping sauces for the fries. It's like their, their barbecue fry sauce. And we went and looked it up online and tried to make it ourselves with the chipotle powder. And I mean, we got close. So it's stuff like that. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Um, all right, cool, man. So, so now let's back up because it doesn't sound like you were like, you know, starving and struggling before that. I mean, you worked at J.P. Morgan Chase on, on Wall Street. Uh, yeah. So going yeah. how far back? When did you start doing that? I started that in um, 99. I started working at J.P. Morgan Chase. And, was that, uh, was that fresh out of college or out of business school or what? Uh, almost. My first job out of college, I was an assistant manager at Staples. Okay. And I was there for a couple of years. And then I ended up getting the job at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Okay. And, how, and you said that was 99. And you started doing ClickBank affiliate stuff in 2001? Right. So, two, so it only took you two years in corporate America to get itchy feet. Uh, yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur, man, but I just yeah. really needed to pay my bills at the time. So yeah, I was working at, um, in the corporate world, just trying to figure out my exit plan the whole time I was there. So, yeah, it's, it's, isn't it crazy how there's some people that just, they already know they don't need, and I was one of them, man. I mean, I've known since I was 16 that I could never, even if I had to have a job, the job would never really have me. Right. You know, it would be, well, you know, a, it would just be a temporary stop or something. Always say that sometimes feeling like you don't really fit in is a good thing. It's a blessing because it makes you want to do something else and it makes you want to be a self-starter because it kind of eliminates that as a long-term option for you. You look at like immigrants that come into the country and, and become rich and, you know, they, they don't look at the corporate world. Maybe they have um, English as a second language. Maybe they right. just feel like they won't be accepted. So they don't really look at the corporate route as the thing for them. They just look at, okay, I have to have this other option that I'm going to focus on. So, you know, sometimes when you take away certain options that are safe and comfortable, you're forced to do something great. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's cool. So 2001, like you're, you're old. I'm not saying you're old, but you're no, old, old school <laughs> when it comes to the internet. I mean, that's old time. Like I started in 2008 and, and I was, I mean, that's even that's pretty early, but 2001, I, I think of all the people I've had on the show. Oh, you know who I had on? I had John Benson on. Okay. And he's like, he started in like the mid, early, mid nineties. Um, yeah. There weren't too many um, online marketing gurus in, in 2001. I can tell you, I probably can count them on, on two hands. How many were out there like teaching stuff. 
Yeah. Yannick, Yannick Silver, Corey Rudel, uh, Mark Joyner. Uh, Phil Same didn't even come on the scene until like 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, there weren't Matt Basak. There weren't very many people out there. Uh, a lot of people that you don't even hear about anymore. Right. Uh, I can't even think of their names anymore. He's <laughs> kind of, I guess they made their money and disappeared. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you have a good, and I hope everybody's taking this away from Ron, what you just said, like when you get, when you figure it out on the internet, you really only need like a good five or 10 year run and then you retire. So, I mean, the, whoever you were learning from in 2001, they were probably all retired by 2010 and whoever anybody's learning from right now, I don't know if myself include, if I would include myself in this statement, but I mean, five, 10 years from now, we, we may all be disappeared too, you know, like the internet yeah. is that powerful. And I don't, you know, as a, to, just to kind of bring the conversation current, I don't think that's changed. You know, I think it could be tempting to hear stories like yours and go, well, that was 2001. It's different now, but it's not any different now. I mean, look at WebinarCon earlier this year, you're talking about guy. I mean, there were guys in that room that have done, two, $300 million in sales just in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I can tell you that one thing that is different now is the opportunity is a lot bigger now. You know, there was no Inc. 5, I see the Inc. 5,000 um, yeah. award you have in the back. Congratulations on that. And, and you know, guys like you are, are doing it real big right now. But right then, back in 2001, 2003, 2004, guys weren't doing, you know, seven figures, eight figures. Guys were bragging about, you know, Doing ten thousand a month was, was like a big thing. We, all right. we really wanted was like to leave our jobs and have financial freedom and, and make a little bit of money. But now the game, the internet is so much bigger. There's so many more customers. There's so many more resources you can use. It's so easier, so much easier now to find your ideal customers than it was back then. There was no Facebook. There was yeah. no. That was, this was before Google really even came on the scene. So um, I think the opportunity is much bigger now. Um, there's more players now, but there's, the market is is so much bigger now. Like more and more people are buying stuff. Like back then, people didn't trust buying stuff online as much. Yeah. You know, like some people will come to your site and see a checkout page and like, you know, would prefer to call you over the phone to make a $20 purchase than to just use the checkout form because they didn't trust the internet as much as they do now, you know? So I think uh, you guys have a huge opportunity if you're listening to this and following Jeff at the moment. Yeah, that's a great point. So, so I, w- I was saying it hasn't gotten worse since 2001. And you're like pointing out that actually it's probably 100 times bigger and better now. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's true. Like you're trying to scale a business, let's say, e- even to 10 grand a month. It's hard to scale a business to $10,000 a month with $20 transactions if half the people want to talk to you on the phone. Right. But now, there's a check. I mean, it's, they're using Shopify payments. It's like nobody, nobody has to wonder if it's legit. You know, what comes to mind is, um, do you know, um, you're familiar with Jeff Walker? Yeah, product launch formula. DLF, yeah. Right. So um, before he was the product launch formula guy, his nickname was Jeff. It was six, six and seven. He actually he might still have a cycle, six and seven dot com. He made six figures in seven days. And that was his big claim to fame. Everybody was like, whoa, you made six figures in seven wow. days. So that was his thing back then before the product launch formula. That was you know, amazing. Today is like nothing. Like people do that in a day. People, you know, it's not a big deal at all. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, now there's there's people that do 
Well, I mean, it, it, it's one thing you have like the big launch type numbers. And really, the models kind of move. And I, I think it's a good thing. The models kind of moved away from the, the, the up and down launch model to, I mean, there's still guys that do it and they do it well. But in general, the nice thing now, too, is you can set up a predictable business that's just like, ah, 50 grand a month, 50 grand a month, you know, it's 80 grand a month, 80 grand. And like, you know, you have a really great life if you know you got, you know, you're keeping 30% of 80 grand a month, right? Um, so anyway, okay, so you're at JP Morgan, 1999. What'd you do at, or, or yeah, 1999. What'd you do originally at JP Morgan? I was a financial analyst. I used to work with the hedge fund clients and the pension fund clients to help them settle their trades and make sure everything was uh, you know, passing through and reinvesting their money into overnight instruments when they had balances and different things like that. Okay. So you could have made a lot of money doing that. Yeah. You know, I went for my um, CFA. I became a chartered financial analyst. I became a, went for my MBA. I went to night school, got an MBA in finance. And I was really thinking about, you know, doing that, but you know, I still just had this feeling that there was more out there for me and I didn't quite fit in like I should. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I mean, I think for most people or, or certainly a lot of people thinking, Oh, I got my, you know, I, I got my MBA. I invested so much. I got the job at chase on in New York. Like that's, that's the epicenter of, of the finance and, you know, global finance. I mean, the, the biggest, bank in the country in the biggest investment you know pool of investment capital in the world on wall street and you're uh you know young up and comer with the world at your fingertips and and you're going home at night logging on to clickbank.com which in 2001 people i mean i guarantee you weren't going to work the next day telling everybody about what you found the, the previous night on clickbank Right. Not at all. Did anybody know in your life? Yeah. Yeah. My, my uh, girlfriend at the time was now my wife. She knew I was doing it. She, we used to have this little one bedroom apartment and that's where my office was in the bedroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be up all night, like punching away on the, on the computer. And, and she put up with that for years. And it's probably one of the reasons why she's my wife now, but yeah, she knew I had a partner back then. He knew, and you know, some local friends knew what I was doing, but didn't really, really know, you know, all the details of it. I was still trying to figure it out myself back then. How many hours of sleep were you getting during that part of your life? Uh, I don't recall, maybe five, six. I would have okay. to wake up in the morning and commute to work, but I was young. You know, I was, I was young and eager to uh, succeed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. You do what you have to do. So, okay. So then you, uh, you said 2006, Seven two thousand two thousand nine. When did you you say you re, you released the book in two thousand seven? No, I left my corporate job in two thousand seven. Got laid off in two thousand seven and never looked oh. back. I did the self published book in two thousand and three, and I got the book deal in two thousand eight with Simon Schuster for the same book that I was self publishing. And um, the the book was the first book was released in July of two thousand nine. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Left so laid off. I mean, two thousand seven seems like half that whole industry was laid off in two thousand seven. Yeah, right great recession-related recession. yeah. layoff, right? Absolutely. Um, and and by then, were you had you replaced your income by then? Yeah, yeah, I was actually making more from the business than I was from the job. And I tell you a funny story. I mean, every day I used to come in and in my office, right on the little billboard 
there was a post-it note that said February 2008. And people would ask me, what's that date? And I was like, oh, I got something planned. I would never tell them, but that right. was the day that I was planning to leave there. No matter what, that was the day I was going to leave. And they did me a favor and, and pulled the plug early. July what was 15th. the significance of February 2008? It was just, well, it was going to be my final. Well, bonuses usually came out. Oh, <laughs> there you the, go. End, end of January. So gotcha. that was going to be it. February 2008, I was going to take my bonus and run. So that's interesting. I, I uh, had a guy on the show a couple days ago. I mean, the, the, when the interview is published, they won't be a couple days apart. It might be like, this might come out a few weeks later. But uh, I actually recorded it just a couple days ago with a guy who worked for the U.S. Uh, the Census Bureau in D.C. And he actually did the same thing, although he was, this guy was ballsy. He wrote up his resignation letter and posted it on his little pin board at his cubicle at work. And he had it right there for everyone to see. But I mean, he, nobody, I guess nobody looked, but I mean, he actually had his resignation letter right there put, pinned up in front of him um, and he was going to turn it in. And same thing. I don't remember the, the details, but he had a date, same as you, mm -hmm. just a, a drop dead I must replace my income by this date or, or, or not, but either way I'm out on this date. You know, a, a, what do they say? A, a goal without a date is just a wish, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was gonna be difficult. I'm actually glad that they did the favor and laid me off because it would have been difficult because I was double dipping at my business. I had the job. Yeah. I actually had people working for me that I would delegate stuff to as I was working for J.P. Morgan, I would be calling, hey, I need you to do this. And um, we had uh, our first child at that time was three years old, and we had another kid on the way. And our son Ryan was born in um, August of 2008. So they actually laid me off exactly one month before our son was born. And I remember having to um, call my wife and break the news to her. And yeah. she was at home eight months pregnant on maternity leave, and I didn't want to upset her, so I had to call her and tell her, you know, hey, I lost my job, and I don't know, you know, I wasn't expecting this. I was trying to save up some more money. I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, this is perfect. Don't worry about it. You, you wanted to work on your business full time. Just do that. You know, I, she still had her job, and she was going back to work after maternity leave. So she was like, you know, just do your business. I believe in you. And I remember right. her saying, I believe in you. Wow, you are the best wife ever. So <laughs> it good, it's good to have that support structure, you know, in, in your life. Absolutely. And and so when you lost your job, how many books had you sold up to that point? When I lost my job, I had sold about fifty thousand um, self-published books. I ended up selling sixty thousand or so self-published books before the uh, Simon and Schuster deal. So so just you know, the point I'm making is, you while doing your business part-time, although at a very high level part-time or double dipping, as you put it, you sold 50,000 books. After losing your job, you sold 1.5 million books. So there's probably a lesson there for everyone about, about being all in and what happens when your energy is completely focused on one thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you kind of attract opportunities and other people that are doing the same thing. I used to joke and say, hey, you know, my whole life changed once I was able to talk to people at, at 11 a.m. instead of working in the corporate right. world. Once I was able to go attend meetings somewhere else at 2 p.m. instead of worrying about reporting back for, for lunch. 
Yeah, yeah, Simon and Schuster would have been a hard deal to close if you'd said, well, I want, I'll, I'll be there, but I can't be there till what, like 6.30, 7 p.m. That might have killed the deal, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So, so actually the model, and I, this is what I tell people all the time, because I get, you know, one of the things I'm sure you, you deal with and, and I deal with a lot too, is people are so eager to make this change in their life, in a lot of cases. I mean, I would say of the people that I talk to, maybe 50% of them are like fully, they're like, I don't like my job. I want to leave my job. I want to do this instead. I mean, they're itching and there can be a tendency to be like, tell me how quickly I'm going to make money. Give me a date because I want to, I want to quit my job. Do you think we can do this in 90 days? And I'm like, hold up. Don't, don't, don't make a mistake here. You know, don't, don't burn your boats when you don't even know if there's food on the island. People talk about burning your boats. Don't burn your boats until you know the island is habitable, right? Exactly. And, yeah. and, but once you know that it is, either get yourself laid off like Ron did, or then it's okay to maybe start thinking that way because the reality is the vast majority of the results are on the other side of going all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I wish I could say that, that I had walked into the office and, and told my boss to shove it, but no, right, I was, right, right. you know, he laid, I got laid off. And, and after doing my business from 2001 to 2007, so six years in, you know, building up that asset, mm -hmm. I was making more from the business than I was from the job, all that stuff. I had a huge email list that are following our products. I was completely ready. I probably was, you know, should have left three years earlier. Yeah. But I would tell anybody, don't try to be a hero if you have people that depend on you yeah. that you need that check for. You know, if you're just on your own, then, then go for it. If you're living with your parents, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Then go for it. But if you have a wife and kids and, and a mortgage, then and don't try to be a hero. Make sure you have at least six months income saved. Make sure you have an asset that you can continually make money from. Make sure you try to build a brand that you can leverage build a network of people you can do business with and have that in place before you take the leap because it's much more comfortable and a lot less uh stressful doing it that way and and you'll be a better business you'll be a better internet business person or, or whatever the business is frankly i don't care if it's owning a mcdonald's whatever it is you'll be better at it if you're not making decisions based on like a, the feeling that there's a ticking clock Right. You know, and in 90 days, I'm going to be screwed if I don't ha replace XYZ money, right? Or pay my mortgage or whatever. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're emphasizing that point. Uh, you said a couple things that struck, stuck out to me. Um, you talked about building a list. I want to, I want to circle back to that. Um, and, and more broadly, you talked about make sure you have assets that, you can, that can generate income again and again. And in my company, Entra, and, and really all the teaching that I do, I, I have a concept called digital real estate which is basically what you're saying. It's, you know, we're saying the same thing. It's like, I think of a digital screen and the, the digital landscape as a whole as essentially just a lot, of, a lot of land, some of which is developed and some of which isn't. And just like physical real estate, you, know, you develop the raw land into a, an, in, an asset that has value. And, but the value of the asset is based on the present and probable future cash flow you can derive from the asset right that's all income you know property development is right 
is, and so I'm glad, you know, to tie this to the list building question. So you sold a lot of books, but selling a book only pays you one time and self-publishing 60,000 books at 15 bucks a pop. I mean, that's awesome. That's uh, $900,000 over a period of several years. But what, but, but the list, this is, you know, I'm saying this to people who may not have the conceptual understanding of what it is that we really do as digital marketers, the list is the real asset. Selling 60,000 books one time, I mean, 900 grand is great. It's 900 grand, but the list, how many people did you have on your list by the time you sold 60,000 books? Yeah, I had about 150,000 subscribers okay. on my email list. Because not everybody that, that puts in their email ends up buying a product. I wish, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, that'd be great. Not at all. Um, you know, I, I can say, for example, my offer, I have, a, I have a free book that I give away and we did, shoot, I could look up the numbers, but I mean, we did 250,000 book downloads last month. And I don't know how many paid sales we did, probably six, seven. Actually, yeah, I do. We do between seven and 8,000. But I mean, seven, 8,000 customers is awesome. I'm grateful. 250,000 on a list. Mm. You know, we get excited when we hear about that, right? And you're talking 150,000 that you built up over years and years and years. And they were strongly personally connected to you, Ron Douglas. It wasn't like they opted into you know, creditrepair.com and you were some faceless affiliate that they didn't know, they actually, they were op they knew they were opting into a guy named Ron Douglas, right? Absolutely. All the emails are from Ron Douglas. Cool. And, you know, over the years, I got better and better at email marketing and better at storytelling and, and sharing my life with them. So mm -hmm. it got to the point where if people didn't get an email from me in like three or four days, they would contact me like hey did you take me off your list i haven't been getting your emails so huh. yeah these these folks love me and, and you know these folks were in the cooking market a lot of uh older women stay-at-home moms and uh, women over 45 65 you know, that type of thing and just me telling a story like when my son was born my daughter was born i was showing baby pictures and when i got married i was showing uh, wedding pictures and I was telling all these different stories to them about life and about cooking and food and recipes and cooking tips and all that. And the bond was just uh, amazing with mm. these people. And, you know, they would, it, it was anything that they were interested in. If I recommended it, you know, I would get a lot of sales from it because they trusted me that much. Now, no weirdness. You're a good looking man. Did you have your picture in the footer of your emails? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The footer of the yes. emails. So, and so I'll bet page. your emails had a real high open rate. All these, all these ladies on your list. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. I don't know if that's why they were opening it, but yeah. They're it like, was, hey, yeah. I got another email from Ron. You know, get all excited. <laughs> um, so no, no, I, I, you know, and that's really cool. And I, and, and I hope everybody's hearing that too, is, you know, I, I want that because I knew that this, this was going to be a conversation with a, a, a really advanced digital marketer, you know, kind of a like in my like space here that I wanted us to use this conversation really as, as a teachable instrument for people. There's some key concepts here, uh, list building, but also list relationship. It's not, I mean, you hear people brag about how they got 2 million people on their list, but if you're running a credit repair offer and nobody knows who you are, unless you've been very strategic about how you follow up that initial opt-in in a way to warm them up to you as a, as a personality and as a human, 
um, you know, that may not ultimately be worth that much unless you have a newsletter. that's like, you know, financial secrets uh, weekly and then that they're into that. And now they have that connection and you monetize with a newsletter with affiliate offers or, or links or whatever. But in your case, I mean, a personally branded list is very, very valuable. So what kind of stuff would you do with that list over time? Yeah, we had uh, a message board on the site back, you know, 2003 or so. We had a message board and we would feature recipes on the message board and we would send them there and they would share tips on, this is before Facebook really became right. popular and groups and stuff. And um, they would get us a lot of additional subscribers because they would be on there just chatting away and we would get a lot of search engine traffic from the search engines picking up all of the, the conversations and that, that message board and everybody that registered would uh, be automatically added to our email newsletter. And, um, you know, we had a membership site, Cookbook of the Week Club. So each week I would send out a, a digital cookbook and um, people, you know, that was like a $20 a month membership. And we had thousands of people in, in that membership. And, um, you know, all type of different stuff. We, we promote a lot of affiliate offers. Over time, we started um, selling um, ads as well. So a lot of the top ClickBank vendors, and especially in the fitness market, used to buy ads from us because recipes is a good right. crossover market for fitness. And I used to uh, have this joke. I used to say that, you know, we are the problem and the solution for people. So we give them all these recipes, people yeah. gain weight, and then we offer them weight loss solutions. Yeah, I think that's actually called racketeering, Ron. I think that's what the <laughs> yeah. mob does. They, they threaten you and then they charge you for security. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, that's ethical racketeering right there. I like it. Yeah, I like um, that. Ethical racketeering. Yeah, yeah. No, that's genius though. <laughs> I mean, and you mentioned a membership site, 20 bucks a month with thousands of people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, right really. there. And member, you know, the great thing about membership sites is they usually have very low delivery costs, fulfillment costs, because it's usually yeah. just content and it's a digital hub, mm -hmm. you know, unless it's a, you know, a, a monthly box that you ship to people's houses or something. No, this is all digital, digital cookbooks, a new digital cookbook each week. And what we would do is, um, being we had a pretty decent sized email list and we had a lot of people that were always asking us to promote their offers, especially in the cooking space. So we would find people that had digital eBooks or cookbooks. And we would say like, listen, you know, we have you know, at that time, like over 200,000 subscribers and we want to promote your offer. Um, here's the deal. We'll promote it for you as an affiliate. If you give a copy of your cookbook to our members. So we had people donating their cookbook in exchange for us promoting they're off their, their, their cookbook to the rest of our non-members to our regular email. Gotcha. List. So you're getting your fulfillment uh, requirement met for your paying members for free mm -hmm. and get ant by, by, by somebody donating what's also for you a revenue opportunity to promote to your non-paying members. Yeah. In addition to that, every Friday we would feature one of the recipes from like, it would be like a featured recipe of the week or cookbook secret recipe of the week. So mm -hmm. we would just take a recipe from that week's cookbook, feature it in our newsletter and say, Hey, here's the recipe. If you're interested, you can go here, buy this cookbook, or you could join our cookbook of the week club and it's included with your membership. So we would use it as a promotional content and bear in mind you're doing all this while you're work i mean you you put at least the the pieces in place to do all this while you're working full-time at jp morgan chase yeah yeah that was actually in place as i was working 
So clear, and you mentioned you had people that you were delegating to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I mean, 2000, early 2000s, you didn't, well, I wasn't even on the internet back then uh, in terms of business, but you didn't hear a lot about the VAs. Like there was no Upwork, there was no Fiverr, there was no free up. Did you find overseas people or did, were you like having like your, your, your niece do it or something? Oh, we had a local guy, local Long Island guy that okay. uh, worked for us. He's still with us actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, we had, I think 2004 Elance was available. I remember we used to use Elance a lot. Was it? Elance got bought, I believe, by uh, either Freelancer or Upwork, one of those guys. Elance, I forget. Did Elance become Odesk, which became Upwork or got bought by Upwork? It might have been something like that. Yeah. I know they all were all consolidating at the time. But yeah, Elance, we were heavy on Elance. But what's crazy yeah. now is instead of having to hire a guy in Long Island, who it sounds like is a good guy and you, you're with him long term. But nowadays, you don't have to hire a guy in Long Island and who may have a certain ex- – I mean, lives in Long Island. He's got to make a certain amount of money. You can hire someone in the Philippines. You can hire someone in South Africa. You can hire someone in India, you know, for, you know – $40 a week. I mean, it's crazy now that the, the leverage that's available in these type of business models. Now, is there anything that you were doing back then that you would say, and again, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm, an, I'm objection handling. I can't help myself, but is there anything that you were doing back then that you would say is fundamentally different or that you could, somebody couldn't do right now today? Uh, I would say, you know, the thing with the message board, I wouldn't recommend trying to do that today right. because message boards are, you know, Facebook. You, would, you wouldn't need it now. You just have a Facebook group. Right. You have a Facebook group. Yeah. You, you can put your recipes on Pinterest and use it, not only fulfill, but also turn them into lead gen. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a big focus now to using these authority sites instead of trying to build mm-hmm. your own. You know, but that's not, that's not a disadvantage. That's an advantage because it's a lot of require, you know, technical stuff that you don't have to mess with anymore. Right. I mean, I would say advertising was a lot cheaper right. back then. Well, yeah, if now. you were getting five cent clicks on AdWords mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't or on that. Google. <laughs> but at the same time now, is there any reason if somebody had a good offer like this, they couldn't put it in ClickBank and let the affiliates do all the work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we still have offers in ClickBank for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, what I love about this story is it's a good example of somebody, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, be careful following your passion. Make sure your passion is, is at least shared by a few other people. Mm-hmm. Like if your passion is, you know, I don't know, knitting, whatever, I don't know, like hand molded Frisbees and selling them for $40, like that's not a viable business probably. But cooking is a pretty common passion, right? If that's your passion, can you make a business out of it? Hell yeah. And, and you can make a really lucrative business out of it. I mean, thousands of people on a $20 a month membership, uh, not selling $900,000 worth of cookbooks from recipes that, how'd you find all those recipes? You, you found them online? It was a combination. A lot of them were online. A lot of them were submitted to us. And a lot of them, um, we did the base research for it and then kind of created our own version of it. We had a couple of chefs that volunteered to, to work with us because we would promote their offers. So they would do some taste testing. I'm not a chef at all. I'm not a huh. professional chef. You know, I'm just a guy that was cooking as a oh, hobby. So you're and not, so you're not even idea. an expert. 
I became, I guess I became an expert. I was well, an you became an expert on, on how to market <laughs> cooking. Right. Doesn't mean you have to be an expert on doing the cooking. Right. And that's, you know, again, objection handling. People are like, yeah, but I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority on anything. You just have to be creative about, and, 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 and I, would, I say creative. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of creativity. I would say more than anything, it's, it's getting a lot of exposure to people that do this kind of thing. Because when you get into our world, you kind of naturally start to speak a language and, and you see the world a certain way. And you're always, you know, a lot of us are always like, well, how can I make a membership out of that? How can, whatever it is, how can I create continuity, subscription income out of it, right? You just kind of start to look at the world through a certain lens. And eventually, you know, these things are not that hard to create. And that's why I always say, like, if you have these skill sets, you're recession proof, you're depression proof, you're, you're location proof. Wherever you go, whatever you got to work with, give you an internet connection and a computer right. and you'll figure something out. Right. I mean, as long as the product provides value, it doesn't really have to even be you that's providing the value. I mean, you could, right. you could create a business where you bring in experts to teach and kind of curate what they're teaching and create products out of it. You don't even have to be the face of it anymore. I mean, you could hire, they have like uh, spokespeople like you can go to right to fiverr.com and, and hire a video spokesperson that will do videos for you. That will be the face of your brand that will be on your sales page and all that stuff. Like you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be you as the face anymore. Yeah. And, and or, to your point, you can be just the face. You can be not the face or you can be any combination thereof. Even within cooking, I think of, uh, was it Julia Child? who used to have her whole TV show where she would just bring on other chefs. Yeah, she was like the so. Oprah Winfrey of cooking. Like she right. didn't, she just brought other people on and got them going and showed, let the world watch them do their thing. And she get all the credit. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, why do you ask? Why, why do you think Oprah, why do you take Oprah's opinion on weight loss, on marriage, right. on, all these different things, you know, like she struggles with weight. She's never been married. She, you know, personal development, all this stuff. Like she's just an expert at everything because she's been surrounded by all these experts and, and kind of expert by association. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, okay. So, so that's a, a really great uh, exploration and i really appreciate all the, so, so much value to be drawn out of your, your past. Um, let's get up to present real quick. Tell us what you're doing now. Right now, uh, we just had an event called WebinarCon, and it was a, a very, well, it was, that's where I met you originally in March, back in March. It was a uh, in-person seminar in Rockville, Maryland at Onyx and Giles Learn Center, and we recently did a virtual version of that, a summit, online summit version of it. And right now, I'm just kind of fulfilling the orders and coaching the students that ended up signing up for our uh, coaching program. So webinars, yeah, and you did the virtual event, uh, Webinar Confidential? Yes. That was mm -hmm. called, um, which I was, I was on the list for, and I, I was not able to attend, unfortunately. And, and ironically, I was not able to attend because I was neck deep in building out our own webinar, which is actually probably the worst excuse ever, because if anybody should have been there, it was the guy who was actively building a webinar. But, um, but anyway, uh, I, I'm sure it was an amazing event. So, you know, for people who, who hear webinar, 
I, I've actually heard people say that webinars are dead or, or dying and that, and that everything now is real time. People just want to watch the video. They don't want to register. They don't want waiting rooms. They don't want interaction with a host, whether it's real or fake. You know, a lot of these evergreen webinars, they fake the interact. People don't want any of that. They just want to like, just let me watch the video and I'll make up my mind. Clearly, that's not the case if you guys are doing million-dollar <laughs> events on how to do better webinars. Right, right, right. It's just like any other event. You know, that's like, that's like saying concerts are dead. People want to hear the music right now, mm. you know, instead of going to the concert. You know, you simulate a, a live event where people can participate and interact with you and, and see you there with them live. I don't think that's ever going to go away as long as the topic is something that they're interested in, as long as they believe they're going to get value from it. It's just another medium of communication and it's another form of events. Online events are, are not going anywhere. I mean, a lot of the big companies are just starting to get into webinars. You know, I just got an email from Amazon Pay, right? They have a webinar about their, their service. I got one from, from uh, GoDaddy. I got one from PayPal. I got one, you know, they all are doing these webinars now. And especially with the pandemic and more and more people using Zoom, and having these events on Zoom and moving, like, like Tony Robbins, I think he just did, yeah, like 22,000 people yeah. on his scheduled uh, summit, and, which was really just a scheduled event, just like a, a webinar is. And they said he actually made more money off of that than he did on his in-person event because he had no limit into how many people he could have on at a given time versus like the in-person event. Maybe you have a 2,500-person you know, or 5,000-person physical limit. Yeah, and, and what I've noticed too, cause, you know, I get emails as well. I've noticed that the model, you know, a webinar used to be a thing that marketers did. Like people who were very strategic about direct selling and, and you know, we, it was kind of like, a tr like this, this trick that certain people knew how to do was this webinar. Now, there, I'm seeing webinars about all kinds of things. I got an email this morning from care.com which is like a, a website, a marketplace where you go to find like nannies and tutors and home care people. And the reason I'm even on their list is because I was trying to find a, a homeschool option, somebody that would come teach my kids because I think it's ridiculous. My kids are having to go to school wearing a mask and, and they're just not happy, they don't enjoy it. So I'm like, well, come home, I'll get you a teacher, right? So I sign up for care.com's list. I'm trying to find a homeschool teacher. They sent me a, a, a webinar notification this morning that they're hosting an event for parents about how to, how to, how, it was called how to raise actively non-racist children. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I'm like, as a marketer, I kind of want to see this. Like as a parent, I mean, I guess I'm kind of interested too, although I think my kids are pretty cool. Um, but like as a market, I'm like, what's, what's the pitch? What are they going to sell on the back of that webinar, you know? Yeah, it sounds like a webinar they're just doing really for goodwill for their, their brand. You know, I guess these, so. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe they're going to sell like uh, some kind of group, you know, counseling or coaching or something. But yeah, they probably get some publicity from it. Yeah. I would think. Get yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, my, to, my, to my point, webinars, I, like you're saying too, I think they're becoming more mainstream, not less. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and more viable. And I don't think that's a COVID thing. I think COVID is maybe an accelerant to that trend. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the trend towards working at home, you know, I think the, the shutdown created a huge trend of, like, we, we were just looking at um, this article today about Manhattan and about how a lot of the office buildings are still 80% vacant because the companies are adopting more of a work at home workforce. They're saying, okay, we've been working at home, it's working out, you guys can keep working at home. Maybe it'll be a lot less expensive for us we don't have to have these big giant office complexes. We could have a work at home team and we could use Zoom and do all this stuff. So I think there's a, definitely a trend uh, towards that. And I love it. I mean, it's, it's kind of validating everything that, that we do, right? All the yeah, exactly. marketing and everything, webinars. It's a beautiful thing. It'll be really interesting. I had um, James Altucher on the show. You probably know who James is. He's the guy that did the article that I'm talking about. Oh, well, that's it. Yeah, the, article, the article is... Uh, uh, New York City is dead, and here's why. I think it was something like that. Well, that's interesting because <laughs> that's exactly what he was talking about uh, on my show. He was saying, I, he's like, you know, New York City is like, this, this broke New York City. A lot of people that were lifetime diehard New Yorkers, they left. And a lot of them, they're not coming back because the city has suffered. A, I mean, this, we're going off, I guess, off course here, but I mean, the city has suffered a an irreparable blow to its foundation. Um, and, you know, I guess to our point, I agree. You know, think of the unintended consequences. Like, like what's going to happen to the cost of insurance, like workplace insurance now? When, they, when, you know, when people go back and they say, well, we got to be just more protected against the, all the liability of what if somebody comes to work and catches a, a disease and tries to sue for a $50 million. And now you got 100 people suing their employer for $50 million because they didn't adequately sanitize their workplace. And the insurance company's got to, now all that has to get baked into real estate costs and, and you know, the triple net fees. And now having an office becomes even more expensive. And, and it just, you know, I, it's, it'll just be interesting to see what happens. But, the, but my, I'm saying, I think you're in a great position be it, being the authority on how to do webinars, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, I didn't anticipate all this happening. I mean, when we did WebinarCon, literally six days after the event ended, that very facility that we did it in was shut down. Yeah. All right, so we literally got it in right before the pandemic, and it was a huge thing. And I think it was something that the industry really wanted and needed because the response in its first year was just amazing. Everybody came out. I mean, we sold out all the tickets. It was much, much bigger than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was an amazing event. I was I was grateful that uh, Onik was able to sneak me in at the end there. He had to, he I had to, I just I sent I I just directly PayPal'd him the money because the cart was closed. Right. And uh, it was just a few days yeah. before, but yeah, anyway, it was, a, it was a great event. Well, listen, Ron, this has been a, a fantastic conversation, man. I'm I'm so glad we did it and we got to dig into a, to a lot of the nitty-gritty stuff that that drives the type of business that we do and hopefully gives people a a little bit of a window into what really is at the, the foundation of internet marketing businesses. You know, this is real business. It's not like what we do is, is, is alchemy. It's just a lot of people don't know how it works. So it just kind of looks like magic. Oh, we, you know, we, we push buttons on our keyboard and money shows up in our bank account. Well, no, there's, there's still real pieces to these things. And I appreciate you uh, digging into those with me. Um, how can people go into your world? First of all, if people just want to get to know Ron Douglas better, where can they go? 
Uh, you can go to rondouglas.com. Okay. I have um, a bunch of different options there. You can find all my social media there. You can, uh, you know, we have a weekly class that we do every Wednesday called Wealth Wednesdays. Cool. And, uh, might be interested. And then uh, what if people want to know more about this webinar thing? What, where can people go to learn more about that? Uh, webinarcon.com. Con is short for conference. Webinarcon.com. Yeah. It's we not a con, the, to be clear. Not a con. No, it's <laughs> short for conference. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like Comic Con. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, you can go there. We have the actual the recordings of our, our recent online event. I mean, we had some legends speaking there. Jay Abraham, um, Dean Graziosi. I mean, we had some big oh, players, cool. Jason Fladlin, Amy Porterfield. Good event. That's yeah, that sounds epic. I need to catch up on the replay myself. Um, cool. Well, Ron, thanks for being a guest on Millionaire Secrets, man. This has been tremendous. Yeah, a lot of fun. It was an honor. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. And to all you uh, Millionaire Secrets listeners out there and, and watchers on YouTube, I appreciate you so much. You guys are the best part of doing this show, and I appreciate you, and I'll uh, catch you on the next one. Take care. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks. Head over to www.entranation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.